Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering four conversations from episode 52, predicting long-term outcomes using MR elastography. This conversation focuses on ways to use the results of the recent Mayo Clinic paper. A conversation between Stephen Harrison and Ian Rowe suggests that results will not translate easily into fiber scan interpretation for clinical patient management. However, a second conversation that Stephen starts about implications for clinical trials is far more fruitful. In this discussion with Stephen and Alina Allen, it turns out that data exist on most relationships necessary to build an analytical path from liver stiffness via magnitude of MRE change through a one-stage reduction in fibrosis to related surrogate endpoints. The group goes on to discuss where data is missing and what next steps might obtain the necessary data to drive a strong case for this kind of trial. This paper is one more key building block in the case for moving beyond biopsy as an endpoint measure in drug development and patient management. It's worth a serious listen. So sit back, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion group. Ian Rowe. When I say to a patient, you've got cirrhosis, that has an impact. When I say to a patient, you've got liver cancer, almost always that has a much greater impact, even though often it's the cirrhosis and liver failure that defines the patient's outcome, not the cancer. Some of that's societal, understanding what cancer means, but not understanding what cirrhosis means, helping people to understand how bad liver disease can be so that those decisions can be made and those issues can be talked about in fullness of time. People get time to think about them. It's much, much better that way to be for people to think about what's going to happen in the future with some knowledge. It's that knowledge that's often absent and that's exemplified by the nod of the head when you say you've got cirrhosis and the shake of the head and the tears when you say you've got cancer. Stephen Harrison. Ian, let me ask you just more specifically about your paper that you commented on. You know, just simplistically, we often will have conversations in the U.S., or at least I will, with my referring providers or primary care, even GI colleagues, and they want to know how fibrous scan correlates with MR elastography and simply Simplistically, although Alina is probably going to cringe here, is I just say take the fiber scan and divide by three, and that gives you a rough estimate of what the MRE score would be. If we were to reverse engineer this thing, are you finding similar results relative to Alina's data? If you take her MRE numbers and multiply by three, do we get a rough estimate of similar type odds ratios of progression and percentage rates of progression based on what she had mentioned? I don't think it's quite a as simple as that. So we find in alcohol-related liver disease and in NAFLD that the rates of decompensation in patients who've got liver stiffness of less than 20 kilopascals are really quite low. It's quite short time horizon, three to five years, but they're really quite low. And, you know, so you're looking at stiffness values in excess of that, well in excess of that for substantial rates of decompensation. So it's not the same. And I don't think you can do a simple calculation to work it out there. We've got no experience and no access to MRE. So I can't give you a comparison number for patients that we've that we've examined and so there's no direct comparative data. Well hopefully litmus can help us address that a little bit because we'll be doing both in that cohort of patients. Can I shift and ask Alina Roger about applications relative to studies? Yeah please I've got one kind of lingering question in my mind but this conversation may clarify that so go ahead and I can come back to mine later if I need to. As we begin to look at these longer term outcome studies and move away from subpart H approval and we 
we look at evaluating how drugs change a patient relative to how they feel, function, or survive. We all know that subpart H is conditional approval. It's a surrogate to predict an outcome. And then ultimately, we have to go on to show that drug X prevents progression from MELDs less than 15 to more than 15 to decompensation, transplant, cirrhosis, death. Interestingly, liver cancer is not one of the classic endpoints that we follow. Alina, do you envision a study where we could use MRE as a companion to liver biopsy in a non-serotic population where you still would have your requirement to enter the trial of an F2, F3, but you would also get MR elastography at baseline. And your endpoint would no longer be histopathologic. It would be an MRE progression to greater than X. Because at greater than X, that correlates to MELDs greater than 15 or progression to cirrhosis. Are we to that point yet? And if we're not, what does it take to get us there? And just some comments around evolving study design as we begin to think outside of the box and beyond the biopsy, but not yet fully away from the biopsy necessarily for enrollment criteria, but maybe not using biopsy on the back end of the study. Does that make sense? Alina Allen. Absolutely. The reason the current criteria is NASH and no improvement in fibrosis and NAS score and and so on is because that's what we had. I liked how the previous podcast discussion went around why NAS score is is because this is the only thing people can agree on. But then the fibrosis pieces, because this this is the only thing we could correlate with outcomes. So naturally, the endpoint of these trials were these two pieces. What can people agree on that correlates with maybe disease severity? And then the fibrosis aspect, which we know correlates with outcomes. You mentioned before, as long as we're going to be stuck in the same circle, we're going to not advance the field because there's still not a lot of correlation between pathologists or uh, agreement between these outcomes. To step away from that little granular biopsy or histological type of anchor for entry or for outcomes, then we need to move to something, one, that people can agree on that gives you the same answer every time you look and non-invasive tests like liver stiffness does that. The degree of agreement between pathologists or in the same test measuring at different intervals on the same patient is very, very good in MRE at least. And then something that correlates with outcomes that is not fibrosis stage, which is what these papers are showing on a very large large number of patients with follow-up of up to 10 years. So I think this connection between what we currently use to what we need to move in the future is starting to get made. How do we move that into the clinical trials? It needs to be started gradually, as you said, probably at the beginning, maybe correlated with biopsy for entry, but then maybe not anchoring the no-go or go to that NAS score or that NASH resolution where the pathologist cannot agree if they look at it twice. Can we do that with a non-invasive test like liver stiffness and say, if the liver stiffness has improved, maybe there's a signal that the drug is working. Or if it has progressed over X amount, and again, this has to be an arbitrary number that we all agree on, then the drug is not working if we follow the patient over a long period of time. I think it's prime time for this because these studies with large amount of data show that there is trusted correlation between stiffness and outcomes. Why aren't we moving there? I don't know, but I I think it's prime 
time for that. Okay. So if you were to put your thinking cap on and say, okay, what additional information do we need to move away from biopsy and use MR elastography for the context of use of therapeutic efficacy and long-term patient outcomes? What do you think that would be? And let me, let me first ask you, I guess in my own mind, the gap that's the biggest with MRE is knowing what the magnitude of effect changes to correlate with a one-stage improvement in fibrosis. Because if you were to connect the dots, we know that fibrosis progression is linked to an outcome. We know that a one-stage improvement in fibrosis is linked to improved outcomes, at least from the Stellar 4 and the Semtuzumab trial. So what MRE change correlates to a one-stage improvement in fibrosis? I think if we're able to use that, then we could have a conversation with the regulatory authorities around an endpoint, a subpart H endpoint that's non-invasive. It would be, if you've got a 0.6 change in MRE over 52 weeks, that's linked to a one-stage improvement in fibrosis. It might be that we need to use AI digital pathology to help us define that a little bit more we now know that roughly a 17% improvement in collagen content links to a one-stage improvement in fibrosis. That's unpublished data, but it's data that's that's been generated and is out there to share. But but what what is that MRE change that correlates to that 17% improvement? I think that's where we need to do a little bit more digging. And this is my call or request for pharma to include MRE so we can begin to correlate MRE to a change in histology. So to give you the correlative on the MRE world of that 17% in collagen, the number on the MRE side is 19%. So from the quality improvement studies, when these guidances were made on the MRE, a true change in liver stiffness measurement of 19% correlate with one stage of fibrosis. So we know that from the initial studies. It can be, we have that data, 19%. That's in all etiologies. It's interesting how it's almost the same number, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes. So there is that data. There is also an opportunity to keep validating it as we move forward, but we have something where a trial can be designed based on these numbers. If we enroll a patient population with a mean MRE of 4 and we drop it to 3.2, that in essence is that 20% change. Correct. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Now, have you looked at MRE progression and its association with progression to MELDs greater than 15? Not in this trial, when I've tried to look at this progression of meld over 15 in large data sets, and I've used the Rochester Epidemiology data set for that, where we have more than 5,000 people, I found that it's it's not, maybe outside of a registry trial in real world data sets, is not very trustworthy. Because if you take that increase of meld score above 15 at any time point in their follow-up, and we have follow-up of 20 years in this population, 20 plus, that could be an acute thing from a bile duct stone or from some sort of drug-induced liver injury or from an infection where the bilirubin can increase or from acute kidney injury. So unless you have a vetted MELT score of about 15, which stays there, then you can't really trust large data sets with this. So in this particular two papers, we have not used that as a correlate of liver disease progression because of what I found in the, the larger data set of your real world. So that's interesting. The whole thing is really interesting. And, and Stephen, you actually have circled about 355 degrees around the question that I hope we get around if I didn't ask them for good. It strikes me that if you've got a fairly constant relationship between two variables, right, then the viability of those variables will depend on exactly how high or how low the coefficient of variance is. 
and how good a job you can do of defining events that would cause the coefficient of variance to increase. So if what we're saying here is that the relationships hold pretty well across multiple different kind of related phenomena, the coefficient of variance is pretty low. And when using your male score example, when things pop up, it tends to be because of some acute or discontinuous event and that things might, and you can rule out acute discontinuous events that in fact, your relationships are strong. Stephen, I think that takes you to the place that you were asking about, which is now you have a couple of variables where once you check the box and go, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, the data in the rest of the population should be pretty reliable as long as it's consistent. That's the statistician view, not a medical statistician view, but... No, I agree. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next Wednesday, November 3rd, with another episode on an issue of critical importance to drug development and patient treatment in fatty liver diseases. I hope you'll join us then. Until then, stay safe, surf on, see you on the podcast.